And welcome back. This is episode two of what is, considering we've probably got one podcast out now, the biggest listened to podcast of all time, I would imagine. About gin. Yeah, about gin within this region that was recorded in this room. episode two of Mother's Ruin. I'm Matthew Reed. I'm Sarah Donnelly. Hello Sarah. Hi. Hi. So Sarah, where did we get up to in L'Histoire de Gin? Last time. So yeah, we got up to the start of the Thirty Years' War when we were about to go off and meet the Dutch soldiers who were all drinking Dutch courage. Bloody good lads. Yeah. yeah, so gin, basically gin is about to land on our shores. And so this week we're going to cover... The gin craze, which is the years mid-1600s and goes up to around the 1750s. The gin craze? The gin craze, yeah. East End gangster gin. Two East End brothers. <laughs> it's a story It's a story of brotherhood, loyalty. And, and juniper berries. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit of a love story, actually, about the meeting of two substances that had... Explosive. They are not sentient beings. Don't, well, let's don't treat them as such. Them. Let's treat them as such for the purpose. And I've written okay. a little Billy written, Juniper. I've there written, you go. <laughs> I've written a little a little intro to this. I wanted to kind of set the scene a little bit. Yes. Have you? Uh, have you? I been, have selected you some music. You wanted it to be atmospheric. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the first line and then I'm gonna okay. play the music. You ready? Thanks for selecting. That. Yeah, it's, it's my my pleasure. Two ingredients. Both alike in potency in fair London where we lay our scene. Oh. Math. <laughs> I selected that tune especially and, you, and you're just laughing at it. It's a bit rude. <laughs> Listen to that. What does, how is that not invoking gin? Oh. Wow. <laughs> Don't tell us for a second that you don't want that as your first dance. So, in that case, I'm just going to read this first first paragraph. I'd make I'd make little sounds in the background. That's, uh, no, because you'll do something silly. <laughs> I'm not going to do something silly. Okay, two ingredients, both are la- What's that? Sounded like a UFO or a ghost. There's no ghosts or UFOs. Okay, no more. I'll let you do it. Will you? Yes. All right. Two ingredients, both alike in potency, in fair London where we lay our scene. From ancient alchemy break to new mischief, where civil unrest makes civil lands unclean. Thank you for letting me do that. It's very good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Who wrote that? Well, it was adapted from William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, God. Well, I want this to be a kind of love story, a sort of tale of the... (sighs) Okay, in in plain terms, it's it's all about to kick off. <laughs> okay, so, are you happy? Yes, please, Shakespeare, get him out here. Absolute genius. Oh. Right, so we're in mid seventeenth century London. Soldiers returning from the Thirty Years' War developed a taste for Dutch courage. So, mm-hmm. juniper um, mixed with grain spirit. Mm-hmm. So this tragic comedy that is the gin craze is about to commence. 
was Dutch Courage an actual drink or was it just was Dutch it... Courage was gin. Yeah. So, so the, it just was just was gin. It was it was grain spirit mixed with juniper. So the, I thought it might have been like a an actual drink that they'd called Dutch Courage, not just gin, but the like some sort of mix. Saying that like in the middle of a war zone, you're not going to get your cocktail shake round here. <laughs> you're like, Dutch Courage. No, but some of these, but you know, as we'll find <laughs> as we'll find later with gin and tonic, some of these cocktails did occur because of long journeys on ships, the need to preserve things, the need to... Uh, yeah, yeah, additions to preserve uh, became a nice flavour. Absolutely, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not, a, it's not a stupid statement by any mm-hmm. means. Makes a chance. <laughs> but they, they were, before big battles, the Dutch soldiers would have a nip of, of this juniper spirit and we were we wanted we all bit of that, that dutch courage we'll uh, have a bit of that magic juice really. yeah mm-hmm. absolutely so so we we developed a bit of a taste for that over in the netherlands that the, the netherlands was fast becoming a massive superpower so they were raking in unimaginable wealth via the dutch east india company also known as the voc so the voc was was the best way of describing it is like it was the facebook or the google of its day mm-hmm Sounds like a sounds like a rap group. The VOC. The VOC. <laughs> Rest time. <laughs> what was that accent? That was that was more Scandinavian, wasn't it? That sounded Indian a little bit. It was I was trying to uh, be Dutch. Uh, yeah. Well, oh when you God. listen to that back, you realise what you sounded oh like. Oh God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so VOC, this megalith of a company, it was described fairly recently by American philosopher Graham Harmon as an efficient monster, and that's that's a great way of putting it. They were this; it was like this slave whipping Mister Hyde to the uh, mild mannered liberal Doctor Jekyll that was the seventeenth uh, century Holland. Mm-hmm. So they were a fairly liberal minded country, but they were doing some pretty shitty things over in the the colonies mm-hmm. in order to to get their hands on these exotic herbs and spices that came flooding into their ports. So this chilly sort of Protestant nation had become this superpower that was serving the Western world with all of these sort of pagan herbs and spices, and that's, that's really important to the origins of gin. Makes it all more exciting. Like witches, witches brew, really, in all the Yeah, absolutely, and, and that, that kind of was what, what this Geneva drink was. It was this strange-tasting beverage that came from foreign lands or we didn't even didn't really know much about and it was certainly being drunk in the 1650s 1660s in London and one really good record we have of it was from the diarist Samuel Pepys mm-hmm. and he said he noted down in his diary in 1663 that he ta- 1663 sorry that he'd taken some strong water i.e. spirit, made of juniper. Now, he says made of juniper. That could mean flavoured with juniper, or it could mean that it was distilled from juniper, which was less often the case. So, little Peeps was getting hammered on gin, was he? He was getting hammered on gin, but he didn't take it to get hammered. He took it, and I quote, in order to break wind and go freely to stool. No mystery behind what he was doing there. He was constipated as hell. So, he used gin as a... As a laxative. As a laxative. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that works. I Mm-mm. drink gin a lot. And... No, neither am I. And tragically, we'll never know whether it worked on Peeps because he didn't record the results of, of that. That we'll is never... damn shit. <laughs> we'll never I know. I'd like to know how his stool came yeah. once forth. Was there emotion? <laughs> yes. We will never know. I imagine there was. I imagine back then with the healthy way they ate. All those berries and seeds. <laughs> but, you know, that does tell us that gin was being consumed... 
certainly as a medicine mm. around this time, but it, it certainly made it started making its way into the, into the taverns. Yeah, I wonder if any medicine from today will make its way into the taverns. <laughs> well, like yeah, shots of cowball and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, night nurse is a yeah. is a popular um, popular uh, drink, bedtime drink for the even the non cold sufferer. Yeah, shall we say? There's, um, what else could you have? You could have, I uh, guess, do a line of lemsip. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, imagine. Oh, no. No, no. Taste of paracetamol. Good flow. Mind you, the taste of cocaine. It's not great, is it? Apparently. As a, okay. uh, cocaine, if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> Don Pablo. Somebody's asking if you want us to uh, promote cocaine. Then, uh... <laughs> um, I don't know how uh, this will get to you, as you've been dead for quite a while. <laughs> Whoever the Don is, whoever, whoever, yeah, the, whoever, uh, whoever the Don took is, over, whoever took over tweet the us with the name of the Don. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we can sponsor your cocaine shipments. <laughs> we can't do that. This sounds like it's getting unlawful This is getting territory. out of hand yes. and we've got a lot to cover in it's this James section. It's evil. Okay. So, yeah, we were starting to drink it in taverns and the gin craze was really helped along by William of Orange, King William. Now, Citrus fruit, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, nothing to do with his name, but he... How about Sir Lawrence of Lyme? (laughs) (laughs) Billy Ice Cube? (laughs) Now, being being kind of spirit, William of Orange really wanted to help his landowning buddies. You know, really... Sounds like a Tory. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they were really, you know, I'm sure they were really struggling, those landowning lords around this time. So, needing a helping hand. I mean, so they were reaping in loads of grain... But a lot of the grain wasn't good enough to be used in food production. So by liberalising distillation, William helped these people along because they now had an outlet for their useless, crappy grain that they couldn't use for food. I wonder if it's the same type of grain they use now, if it's the off-wash of food grain, or if it's specifically grown for this. Very good point. I'll, I'll, I'll write that down yeah. to research. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, it was it was malted corn um, that they that they were using around the time, and he lowered duties on 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 that, raised a duty on raised duties on brandy. So by doing that, he helped his landowning buddies, and he also dealt a bit of a blow to his political enemy, the old grape growing French idiots. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt, with an elegantly gloved hand, mm-hmm. that blow was issued. Probably should probably should have hit the vodka morons as well. <laughs> I'm a clear, tasteless liquid. Brilliant, well done. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So so because of this uh, this political move, distilleries started springing up around London. Down in Plymouth, an old prison was converted into a distillery to meet the demand. So it was really starting to uh, to grow this spirit drinking culture. And around the time of these reforms, consumption of spirits pretty much doubled. It was helped along by the fact that. City dwellers were being ground down by poverty and overcrowding. You know, Britain really fancied a drink. I imagine it would have been a bit of a bit of an annoying time. It was I grim. Would, but I was like, how can it be overcrowded? There wasn't even that many people. But it was only about twelve houses, wasn't there, per city? Yeah, I mean, Britain's population wasn't huge, but it was. Ra- yeah, it was rammed into yeah, this I, square mile yeah. of London. Um, so God, I hear London now. Imagine then. Imagine then. Oh. Absolutely. So this came along at a really good time when these, you know, people were moving from the countries into the cities. They were a bit depressed. They were working hard. They wanted a drink. And so this bunch of terrified 
clergymen, MPs and uh, magistrates really pissed their pants over this, this growing trade. Mm -hmm. They've they formed the Society for the Reformation of Manners and uh, published many cautionary tales about alcohol drinking. Here's, this is my favourite example. This tells the, tells the tale of a drunken housewife who'd had a few beverages. What, she was, what did she get up to? She was so much intoxicated by Jennifer that she fell on the fire and was burned in so miserable a manner that she immediately died. And her bowels came out. <laughs> and her bowels yeah. came out. Now, I don't know how that actually happened. A burn Does that mean she evacuated her bowels, perhaps? Well, or did her bowel just go... Can somebody combust to that level that their bowels would then... Saying that, though, I mean, the alcohol level that must have been in that, if she's, got, like, if she's been drinking it and the flame goes near her mouth and it hits down her throat and there's still a quartan of... That's, it must be inflammable as anything. Well, it's funny you say that because there was a lot of talk of spontaneous combustion at the time uh -huh. and they did use this as one of the cautionary tales. That, yeah, you, And I think actually Dickens, late, a lot later, might have used it in one of his novels where, I think it might have been Our Mutual Friend, where somebody just literally is turned to a pile of... An alcoholic is just turned to a pile of... Yeah, of they ash. must be so... Like, yeah, it must have... Like, that, would, that would certainly explain a certain aspect of... Uh, Spontaneous combustion, the, the level of like flammableness of the alcohol that they used to drink then compared to what it is now. I mean, like if I got if I tipped the uh, Gordons out and tried to set fire, it wouldn't wouldn't catch fire. No, but okay, let's say we had some, you know, flaming, you know, absinthe. You know, you have yeah. flaming absinthe. But if you put a flaming absinthe in a, in a jar of meat, would it would the would it set the meat on fire? If you dropped them, sounds like a really <laughs> grotesque Kings of Leon. Song. Stay stay tuned. <laughs> Your meat is on fire. <laughs> no, we're going to have to go with something other than meat. Kings <laughs> of Leon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe for a later show, we'll do an experiment. Yep. Although being, <laughs> being a vegetarian, I insist we use reclaimed meat. Yeah, reclaimed meat. <laughs> or tofu. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, spontaneous combustion was one of these cautionary tales, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think they just some of these were pretty far. -fetched. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, they talked of you know the dangers of drinking while pregnant. They talked about these shriveled little babies being born undersized but looking like old men. It's Benjamin Button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Maybe Benj maybe the tale of Benjamin Button was really a cautionary tale on gin, fetal yeah. alcohol syndrome. Yeah. We'll look into that for you guys. You're welcome. <laughs> Although I don't think F. Scott Fitzgerald was going to be publishing any cautionary tales due to the fact that he pretty much drank himself into a diabetic coma. Cool. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> but so now we're, we're we're we've moved forward in time, so we've moved into the Forward into the 1720s, and by this point, gin drinking in London is pretty rife. Mm -hmm. And like like we were saying, you know, the 10 percent of Britain's population was crammed into one square mile Ugh. of London. Been horrible, that. Yeah, way. you know, so so people were coming to find fame, you know, not fame but fortune mm -hmm. in London, and they were met with this true scene of horror, like IKEA. It, well, yeah, well, you know, I love Ikea. You despise it. Oh, God, it's not... The place is lovely, you know? It'd be great if it just wasn't rammed full of absolute morons all the time. But, oh, no, it's, it's not for me. Gin would help us get through it, though. Yeah. 
So I imagine this is what's happening here. Yeah, well, indeed. Because 10% of the population often goes to the IKEA I go to whenever I'm there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Always always on a Sunday. Looking for cheap food and yeah. fortune. Yeah. <laughs> Flat or an entire slum. bedroom for three quid. <laughs> yeah, so this yeah, at the heart of this square mile lay this squalid labyrinth called the Rookery or the Rookeries. And it was it was just this complex of alleyways that were lined with slum dwellings, gin shops, and these nesting crows. That's where it got its name from, the rookery. But stunk. Oh, it it absolutely reeked, you know. Children were drinking in the street. Children were allowed to drink. Just sounds like Sunderland now. <laughs> yeah. Pickpockets were being hung in their droves at Tyburn. It was probably a bit like Newcastle on it. Yeah, yeah. On a Friday night. Yep. So something, something had to, according to the, you know, the powers that be, something had to be done. They'd lined their pockets quite happily mm-hmm. on, you know, these these liberalised distilling laws. They were rich, they were happy. So now they were worried. So something had to be done. So they published the first of the gin acts in, 19, in 1729, and they were really unsuccessful. These gin acts. I imagine. <laughs> really unsuccessful. You know. I turn around. I can imagine turn around to Britain today and go. Ah. None of that drinking no stuff drinking. anymore, right? Let's, yeah. let's be here. You can take the hospitals away. But if you stop <laughs> our booze... Yeah. You know, that's how we would act now. Imagine how a lawless London would act. I mean, in this in this slum, the rookery, even the night watchman would turn and flee, you know. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was what Fox News would have described as... The no-go zone. Yeah. So these uh, 1729 GNI... Well, they tried to impose large licensing fees on gin shops. They tried to get people to snitch on gin shop owners. But why would the poor of yeah. London the do that? The only thing that? they had. Yeah, they, they, uh, it was the only thing they had. And there's a, there's a really good quotation here from someone called Stephen Buck that was made in 1734. He said... What can impart such solace to mankind as this most powerful dram which levels all the different ranks in this unequal world? The poor plebeian elevated by gin fancies himself a king. That was what social was... standing, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, they're sick, sick of being in the gutter. Might as well make myself feel like I'm on top of the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same argument for heroin, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, what it did was it, dro- it just drove gin drinking and gin selling further underground. You know, there was revolu- there was riots in the streets, people were chanting no gin, no king. People just rose up to protect this this precious That's crazy, drink. isn't it? Yeah. People done love a little gin. They don't they done love the gin they and done love the gin. And and maybe this is this was the start of you know, how gin's got this association of of, of being slightly a bit naughty and a bit underground and mm-hmm. maybe this was where it all started. Um and there's a really good example of of, the, of how gin drinking went underground. A chap called Captain Dudley Bradstreet. Come on! I know. Say <laughs> like people make cool. these names at one time. Yeah, and he was a, he was a a brewer. He was a writer. He was also a spy. Who is this guy? I know. Is he an international jewel? Thief I know. As well? he, I think he was a bit of a he was a bit of a bit of a wayward character, really. But he he hatched this clever plan to avoid the licensing laws. So he invented, essentially invented, the very first vending machine. So cool. I mean, what other other spirits? So that means you can't sell it, but you can get out of a... Well, so what he did was he invented this 
uh, scheme. He well, I'll tell you what. I'll read. I'll read out in his own words. Yeah. I'm tempted to do like a voice. Should I? I don't know. Whether no, to absolutely not. You, you can't do a voice. You struggle <laughs> with your even, own voice. I mean, he was a spy. Can't we even do a Sean Connery voice? You can't, can you? Or, oh God! Have you had a straw? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to tell us? Purchased in Warfield. Game over. <laughs> okay. hey, read it out. I'll just read it, okay? Should I do it in Cockney or, or purchased in Mutton? No. no. All right. Just do your own. All right. You're still struggling with that. All right. <laughs> I purchased in Moorfields the sign of a cat and had it nailed to a street window. Clever. <laughs> I then caused a leaden pipe to be placed under the paw of the cat. When the liquor was properly disposed, I, I guess he means when it was ready, I got a person to inform a few of the mob that gin would be sold by the cat at my window the next day, provided that they put money in his mouth. At last I heard the chink of money and a comfortable voice say, Puss, give me two penny worth of gin. Right. No, no I, that's only that bit. It's, oh, I'm Actually, your crone voice was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. I'll give you the Thank crone. Thank you. You can have the crone voice. Right. So... I instantly put my mouth to the tube and my mouth. Oh, he dispensed it. You can't even eat it. You can't even eat the buffets, can you? No. (laughs) Can you imagine slurping on a London Victorian gin tube? (laughs) (laughs) Gin tube. (laughs) So I put my mouth to the tube and bid them receive it from the pipe under her paw. So basically, it was it was yeah yeah it was like that. Yeah. yeah, that's quality. Yeah, so it became known as the the, two pennies worth, eh? Yeah, I know. To go for that. Well, a, a, mouth, a mouthful of Captain Bradstreet's finest. <laughs> but so, so even though, even if you wanted to grass this guy up, you couldn't because he'd picked very cleverly a house that was in dispute of ownership. So no, there was no name on the lease. Oh, criminals are so much cleverer than normal people. I know. It's like the art thieves, you know, the ones that uh, fake paintings. If the they... trouble they go to. Yeah. And the, the skill they've got in painting. Yeah, if they turned their hand to just an original yeah. work. Do a painting? Yeah. Aye. But I mean, I imagine you've got to work hard to get 50 million quid's worth of painting. I suppose, mm. I suppose. But couldn't they turn their hand to something? I mean, the, you know, the, the science that they put in behind it, they mix the paints out of the same substances. It's and... crazy, isn't it? Aye? They, they, there's a lot of uh, Minecraft. Mm. Like from all of the bits and bobs you can play in Minecraft, he made an 8-bit computer. What, within... Within Minecraft that worked? I can't even I exactly. can't cope with that. But why is he not curing cancer? Yeah. So, this criminal, where were we up to here? What, did, what was he up to next? <laughs> so, yeah, so nobody could grass him up. Uh, he's, he's got this clever scheme running, and he made, he made a whole heap of money. It's, I think it's also, like I say, this kind of thing has helped Jin elevate itself to cult status, this kind of black market yeah. sort of thing. And Bradstreet's cat still lives on today on the label of Heyman's old Tom Brand. Yes, the black yeah. cat. Yeah, that's him. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's where that comes from. That is. There's some of the labels of Jin are a lot of like shadowy Victorian figures. Yeah. Like uh, cool ones, you know, like the top hat and the cloak and all that and... So that's basically the, the the whole thing about gin is that the naughty back streets. Yes, ab- absolutely. Which yeah, is, bath- is it does uh, aye, the bathtub gin. Aye, Bathtubs, obviously, yeah, aye. yeah, yeah. It is. It's all like it's all very steampunk, but you know, <laughs> with people who don't wet the bed in the thirties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you it's it, it's a good point about you know bathtub brewing and that kind of thing. I mean, by this point, gin had started to move away from. 
yeah, you know, I, I say this is a this is a tale of the coming together of Gin and Juniper, but it's at this point in time that they start to almost break apart because people had stopped being asked to use juniper. Mm. People were putting things in like oil of turpentine, oil of vitriol, horrible, horrible stuff. Turpentine. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. I mean, the smell of that used to make me go. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, I think turpentine comes from this uh, pinene, you mm. know, this kind of pine substance. So loosely it had this sort of botanical flavour to it, but it was it was gut rot. It was horrible. And juniper was blossoming on the heaths of London. Nobody even thought to just nip up to mm. Primrose Hill and pick a few sprigs. They managed to just... Pick a few sprigs. <laughs> they just pour this crap into it. So... So God knows what Bradstreet was serving. It was probably some hideous potion. But one thing that was happening around that, and this is the height of the gin craze now. We're in the kind of 1720s, 1730s, 1740s. The population of London has gone into decline. Mm -hmm. People are genuinely dying. For every three burials in London around the height of the gin craze, there there was approximately two baptisms. So it is killing us. It's probably what we need now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was some. Maybe there's a conspiracy, a population control conspiracy. Perhaps that going was what on. gin was doing. Yeah. yeah, that's why gin's getting popular. Yeah, the government's trying to cull our numbers. No, that'll be vodka. Vodka doing vodka that. Vodka doing that. That'll be vodka. Yeah. They tried it with gin, didn't work. Didn't it's work. Delicious. Yeah. And they didn't want to ruin a beautiful drink, so they went oh, vodka. Yeah. So if you're drinking vodka, just be careful. Drink responsibly. Come at us if you disagree. Yes. How are you waiting? <laughs> Yeah, so this goes on for years. You know, it's it's mayhem. Something has to be done. And I could go on for another ten pages about this because it's absolutely fascinating. But we do have to bring this segment to a bit of a close at some point. If you want to look at one iconic image that sums up the gin craze... That's what everyone will know. It's it's Hogarth's gin lane. We'll pop a photo of that up on the Instagram. We will. We'll pop a photo up, but it's you know it's it's everywhere. It's online. If you type if you type in gin craze to Google, you'll get you will get this image. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really striking postcard from the heart of the, the gin craze. Terrifying, horrible picture. Yeah. People just discarding babies and what have you. Yeah, it was. So the central the central figure of this this engraving is a. Um, is a, a, a female, her clothes are falling off, she's oh, pox yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, she's, yeah, she's let pox herself right down. Yeah, <laughs> she's let herself go yeah. a little. She's, she's not popping out anywhere nice recently. No. She's been holding a baby, she's taking a pinch of snuff, and as she takes a pinch of snuff, the baby falls inevitably to its death down the stairwell. There's a sign behind its head that reads, Drunk for a penny, dead drunk for tuppence, clean straw for nothing. So there's all around her, there's this kind of death and destruction. The only shop that's doing well is the pawnbroker and the undertaker, mm-hmm. which wouldn't be too far from the truth, given the amount of people that, that, that were dying. A, a stricken soldier lies, possibly passed out, possibly dead on the street. And this is interesting, this, this image of the soldier, because... Hogarth's Gin Lane was printed as a kind of a bit of propaganda, really. Mm. And it was printed in 1751. The interesting thing about that is the gin craze was coming to its end at that point. Mm -hmm. Gin drinking had started to decline. So why was it that that it was printed at this time? And why was the central figure a soldier? Well... Tell me. So so this was the end of the Austrian War of Succession. 80,000 soldiers were about to be demobbed onto the streets of London. 
and that was going that was that was going to cause mayhem and it mm. did it did cause violent crime i think it was something like two thirds or, or one third of the of everyone hanged at tyburn around this time was a soldier or an ex-soldier oh it's nice isn't yeah it? so so this this served as, as a bit of a warning to these um to these demobbed soldiers that you know this this is what you've you've got coming for you and this was this was said it's, it's clear that this was also said in St Giles which is where the rookery what was and mm -hmm. where it was the height of the it was the epicenter of the gin craze really and you can see in the background the church, which is St George Bloomsbury, Bloomsbury, and it's quite interesting because on on the on the spire of the church we see George II there in his in his finery, this overlord mm -hmm. looking looking over the slum, but he has his back turned. So although this was a bit of anti-gin propaganda, it's quite interesting that a little bit little bit of politics yeah, sliding in there. That, you know, was this essentially saying that look what you've done? To the people in power, and now you know you you turn away and uh, <clears throat> essentially ab abandon the people who you're meant to be mm. protecting. Mm. Mm. So what year are we up to there? So we're up to 1751, and around this time, the last of the Gin Acts came out, but it, it was it was fairly successful this time. So maybe Britain was 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 ready to to sort of to give it up a little bit. But there'd also be a, been a series of really bad grain harvests around this time. There was what warnings about bread shortages and that really is what sent gin drinking into decline and you know then then we start to see britain emerge from this the death starts to recover from start gin. to recover it's not when we didn't stop drinking gin and in the next episode we'll, we'll cover the Why would you? yeah two people die on the third i'll be fine yeah so yeah now we'll, now we'll, we'll see gin starting to move into the the gin shops and the gin palaces and just start to pull itself up yeah, from the gutter. Get, get, yeah change change its rep a little bit yeah, yeah. exactly um if you want a really good history of the beginnings and the origins of gin i strongly recommend the book of gin by richard barnett mm -hmm. really great book i mean it covers from the very beginnings up until the modern day but I found it particularly useful when it comes to the very uh, early origins of gin, so give it a try. Right then, well, that's the end of that section. We'll uh, pop on to the next section now. Gin News. Headlines today. Cocktail fail? Have we been serving gin and tonic incorrectly all this time? What a marvel. Deadpool star has tried every gin in the world. Alcopop meltdown. Sainsbury's gnarly go head-to-head -head with rival alcoholic ice pops. Now, stories behind these headlines. Cocktail Phil. Have we been serving gin and tonic incorrectly all this time? Bombay Sapphire Senior Ambassador Sam Carter has controversially claimed that gin should be served without lemon or lime garnish. He instead recommends we serve G&T with a mint sprig, ginger and a generous helping of ice in a balloon glass. He feels the addition of citrus fruits is passé. Reporting on the story, the Independent spoke to several other experts, all of whom disagreed entirely, rendering this news item completely pointless. Most of the experts felt citrus fruits are the perfect accompaniment with gin and tonic. I agree. While Craig Harper of tonic brand Fever Tree laid the whole debacle to rest when he sensibly stated that the choice of garnish should depend on the type of gin used in the drink. 
also personal preference, might I add. I mean, it'd be bored if we all liked the same gin, wouldn't it? There would be only one type of gin. I enjoy a wheat biscuit cereal with warm milk and honey. I know fine well as people that like it differently. Cousin of mine used to just put warm water on it. I don't speak to him anymore. Next story, what a marvel. Deadpool's star has tried every gin in the world. Hollywood actor Ryan Reynolds has this week told Esquire magazine that he's tried almost every gin on the planet. But having been around the block, he's fallen in love and settled down with one brand in particular. Aviator Gin. Love at first sip, apparently. And Reynolds, being minted, instantly decided to buy the distillery. Or, now, imagine. How good would that be? Which distillery would I buy? I'm going to think about that. Which distillery would you buy? Let us know at www.mothersroompodcast.com He describes the gin as light on juniper, as he much prefers the less junipery American brands to the more botanical British ones. Ah, see, Ryan, you're a fool to yourself there. He also shuns tonic water, instead of preferring his gin served neat or with a splash of soda. Nonsense. Uh, neat, fair enough, you get the full flavour, that's everything. Soda water is like adding soluble aspirin. Crazy talk. Speaking to Esquire, Rent said of his new venture, I don't pretend to be a master gin maker. I'm just one of the owners of the company. You're not going to see me strolling along a bunch of age casks, lovingly touching the handle on the top. I just want to be part of the company somehow. Must be nice, mustn't it? And I tell you what, I'd always be down among the bunch of aged casks stroking the tops lovingly. I'd spend an awful lot of time in a distillery if I owned it. I could probably organise a piss-up in a distillery. And of course, uh, Mr Ryan Reynolds, if you want to come on and defend your American gin via our British gins, then would very much like to have you on the podcast. Pretty sure you probably you probably won't be busy over the next couple of months if you want to wanna give us a shout. Mr Reynolds, if anyone knows Ryan... Double R, Mr. Reynolds. That'll be great. And Alcopop Meltdown. Sainsbury's and Aldi go head-to-head with rival alcoholic ice pops. Sainsbury's has this week launched a gin and tonic flavour ice pop. It was set to rival Aldi's popular line of alcoholic ice lollies, which last year caused a stir when police feared the people who ate them would forget that they were adults who owned cars and drive under the influence of these tasty treats. I imagine that could be quite confusing if you're having a nice lolly. You don't really consider yourself having a couple of units. Do you know what I mean? The police are going to pull you over and go, mm, is that about four fabs worth? Or uh, mm, it's going to be a funny feat or a fruit pastel lolly's worth of booze. No. Imagine having a whole vionetta of booze. Oof, dangerous. After further research into this troubling story, the Mother's Ruin News team can confirm that the alarm was raised by Cleveland and Durham police in the northeast of England, which I'll explain a lot. An Aldi spokesman did respond saying that the lollies were clearly labelled as alcoholic. If it's got gin and tonic written on the side, let's can we just all assume it's not for children? Let's not encourage kids with gin and tonic flavoured Haribo. Adults, yes. Because, oh, I'd very much like a jelly. I'm going to look for... If anyone knows where to get gin and tonic jellies, do tell us. Because I want one now. I'm going to Google that. Anyway, that is the end of Gin News. (laughs) 
Right, Matthew, I think it might be time for the featured gin of the week. Gin of the week. That's the jingle now. Yep, that's the new jingle. Just come up with it. Top me dome. Done. Freestyling. I am going to cut that and record it and... Um... What? Gin of the week. No need, I can do it every time. Perfect. Okay. all right. So, the idea of this section is that we are going to do a bit of a tasting. Yes, I am happy with this situation. Matthew is surprisingly keen on this section. Yes, because I get to drink and it not be a problem and look like <laughs> artistic license. <laughs> but also, we think Matthew might be a super taster. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the scientific conclusion that we've drawn. Because I was listening to a documentary about super tasters the other day, about people who are very, very picky about food and can't stand many, many types of food, often have a lot more taste buds than people who are a lot less discerning about food. We had a discussion about this, and ergo, we jumped to the conclusion that Matthew is a super taster. I mean, it's, I'm great at a lot of things, but I think tasting might be one of them as well. You right? have got a very good uh, ability to pick out... One gin from another without seeing the label. Yes, and also the fact that if there's onion cut too large in any of my meals, I will spit it out. Or if an onion has been near the meal. Yes. If the meal has ever been shown an onion. <laughs> because I am six. <laughs> so the idea of this section is that it's completely um, unbiased. Yeah, completely. So the, we're, we're not in, endorsing any particular brand. We're just going to try different things. We'll give you a totally honest opinion about it. We're going to talk... Obviously, first and foremost about the flavour, but yep. we're also going to talk a little bit about the brand, the company, the distillery, um, any interesting stories behind it, and we're also going to recommend um, perhaps how to have it, if there are any nice garnishes yes. with it. we've decided this time to try a, a delicious one. Uh, Tell I, us about this week's gin. It's yeah. Old Curiosity. That is the distillery, and it is Lavender and Echinacea. Secret Garden Gin. Which is interesting because echinacea is a very... Uh, I mean, I take echinacea when I've got a cold. Medicinal. That yeah. is harking back to the early days of gin, see? I guess Basically, it it's calpol for adults. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Yep. But yeah, so echinacea, when I, I take it when I've got a cold and it tastes a bit licorice It's quite strong. So I'm initially... I'm interested to yep. see whether this is a nice gin or not. Now, now this distillery have got... Uh, three different uh, flavours available. Well, this one, lavender and echinacea. I think there's a... What's the rose one? There's an apothecary rose, I don't I know think. if that's how you say it, and but yes, that one. a chamomile and cornflower. None of those sound appealing. But, no, um, but they could they could be really lovely, so we're keeping an open mind. What? Where is this distillery, it's up, in, it's up there. It's up in Scotland. Right. So, um, we're going to touch with them. We did. We got in touch with them and said, look, we're going to do this. What would you enjoy this gin with? He said, friends. Well, I haven't got any. So we've uh, come back to our little hovel yeah. and decided to just enjoy it with. And I said, what, ki- what kind of thing would you enjoy it with? And, uh, he, what, like sort of garnish? Yeah, garnish, stuff like that, you know. And he said, uh, not a lot, if, right. I, if anything. He says, a good quality tonic water. He says, that's all you need. All did he need. recommend any particular... He did. It was Fever Tree off Fentimans, but I think that's the recommendation right. pretty much across the board. Because it's it is, it's a, it's a good tonic. And there's the other one. But he did recommend another one from Scotland, uh, which I, I haven't myself, I've not come across, called Bon Accord. Bon Accord? Yeah, it's a Scottish tonic water, and it uses, it's, it's all natural. So I thought, oh, we'll have a look for that. Yeah, because that's the case with Fentimans and Fever Tree as well, isn't it? That they use 
natural quinine. Yeah. And there are many mainstream tonic waters available on the market that, that use artificial quinine. Yes, so, yes. Um, well, Fentman's is uh, Fentman's is delicious. I mean, like there's a lot of the Fentman's flavor. I mean, I'm not I'm not uh, plugging Fentman's. Uh, Fentman's, if you wish to be, uh, yeah, my my. Uh, Integrity is very much for sale. Uh, so Fentman's is... Uh, I'm not specifically picking it up. It's just... It's such a good... I, I, I don't particularly like normal tonic water, but I can drink a lot of these. This one, we've got uh, Connoisseur's tonic water. I can drink this on its own. Yeah, so this Connoisseur's tonic... This he is, has told us not to garnish it, but this one has got a few extra flavours in. It's got some botanicals in. It's got a few... Juniper, kaffir, lime leaves. Is that how you say that? Yeah, it's definitely... That's what we'll go for. And lemongrass... So it's got it's going to have quite a citrusy yeah. sort of flavour to or it. Or if you want us to read the French version out, it's a base de Genève citronnelle. That helps for for all of our French listeners. Yeah, all of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're going to do, if I'm right, Matthew, is try this without the. Tonic we'll we'll water try without first. the tonic water to get the get the smell uh, get the smell and the taste properly swilling around our senses. We have we have popped a little ice in. Yes, we? popped a little ice in. I'm not a savage. See, I'm not one for tasting pure spirits because it just the alcohol in it causes your mouth to flare up, or like, like you know, it gets a bit burny. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good the gin is, it's always going to be a burn there because there's always going to be alcohol. So I'm not. Okay. But that's why. So we've got a bit of ice in, so it's a little bit watered down. But I should be able to taste what's in. So listen, bit of ice there, and I put in a, I put in a good, good splash. Oh, yeah, the, very floral, very floral indeed. It's a, tell you what that's like. It reminds us of, because you know, smell is the sense that triggers the most memory. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, have, you ever, have you ever smelled like an old aftershave or something that's taken you back to... Yes. Yeah, back in time. It's yeah. like a... Yeah. in time. There you are. Ah! There was a, a Redox shower gel the other day that smelled like some of my dad's old aftershave. And I was there at my old house, watching them go out, going, oh, weird. No, I've absolutely had that before. So what are you getting What are you getting it's, now? Are you being floral. taken back yeah, to... Yeah, I'm getting taken back to my grandma's in, in like a... Upstairs at my grandma's, where she used to have the scented draw liners. I'm guessing that's the lavender, rather yeah, than the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 She often used to use cold medicine to scent the house. She was healthy, I tell you that. She lived to a ripe old age without a cold. Oh, but that is that is beautiful. It's like the lavender's in there. May I have you, a smell? Yeah, you, you get your beak in there. We've used a nice uh, broad glass for this, so we can like a goldfish ball with a stem, <laughs> pretty much. Not just because I like massive drinks, but because you can get your beak in. Mm. Really getting the lavender. Can't yeah. smell any echinacea there. No. Which I'm not complaining about because... I'm not entirely sure what the smell of echinacea is. I'd have it's to... quite li- It's sort of quite licorice. Licorice, yes, yes, yeah. I do know what that is. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, really getting lavender. It smells quite alcoholic, actually. Oh, very strong. It smells mm. strong, but let's have a... 39 percent it's no okay. stronger no stronger than a lot of other gins if in fact it's less than yeah quite a few yeah all right i'll let you taste ah, first now before okay i'll taste before we do there was there's a very special thing about this gin there is isn't there yes. it's about the color it is about the color now the rose one's obviously pink yeah the other one is it is it a bluey i think it's a blue this one's purple yeah. lavender and it's purple like a palmer violet yeah and when you add tonic water not sure how, other than pure magic. Whatever tonic you put in, the colour changes of the gin. 
that's amazing. Yep. And is that and that is that is that's perfect. Yeah, it's not it's not like I haven't just added like some sort of magic trick chemical. Right. Uh, I apparently it's, it's, not, it's not like global hypercolor yeah, kind I, of. Like whatever they choose. <laughs> what, global hypercolor. Good lord. I'm really showing my age. Yeah. Right if you now. if you remember global hypercolor t-shirts, welcome. You are our people. <laughs> now, um, but we're not going to do that just no. yet. We're going to taste Let's it. Let's have a taste. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's nice. What are you getting? I'm definitely getting the the, the lavender's coming through. It's, it's like it is like palmer violets. Tastes a lot like palmer violets. No, you I, hate palmer violets. I normally don't, but there is there is a it's a sweeter version of right. a palmer violet. No, it's subtle. It's like the aftertaste of a palmer violet. So palmer violets is quite a synthetic sort of perfumey taste, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, oh, you can smell it's like you can smell the garden in it. Because they are. Um, they are actually gardeners, right? Yeah, yeah they, are, they get down, they take the weeds up, they grow all their own botanicals, they, they pick the weeds out themselves and everything like that. It's fantastic. So rather than using pesticides, I don't think they, they claim to be organic, do no, they? No, 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 just like they just do it themselves. They, they literally pull yeah. the weeds out with how, their how, how it would have been done years ago, yeah. without any like, yeah. uh, nonsense, you know. But um, it, it's fantastic what they do. I mean, they seem, to be, uh, they seem to do it all themselves and everything like that. And they make their own base gin. And then what they'll do is they'll they'll filter the and distill their own ingredients, like the lavender and echinacea and the Right, so the lavender is actually distilled independently from the grain independent spirit. Independent from the grain spirit and the two meet and become beautiful. Right. And tasty. Fantastic, right. I'm gonna You have a quick taste of that. That is absolutely gorgeous. It is very tasty, isn't it? Now that I'm not gorgeous. like I say I'm not one for neat spirits. Get off it, I'll have that now. <laughs> uh I'm not one for neat spirits, but that is absolutely yeah. delightful. Yeah. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to add Fentiman's Connoisseur's Tonic Water, because that's basically what I am. Yeah. I'm but, quite excited to see this colour change happening, even though even though this is all about the taste. Yes. I'm dead excited to see. Now, we'll the watch the colour change. Uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll film this happening and uh, put it on uh, Instagram as well so you can see it happening. Oh, that is a beautiful noise. And look at that. It's gone pink. It's gone from blue to pink. No, from a purple, wasn't it? To pink. Yeah. And that is quite a vivid pink, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. That is quality. <laughs> I'm like a kid. That's but that's but that's what I like about this. Having just tasted it, it's got that incredible novelty value. It's got a, it's got a gorgeous bottle. Oh, the bottles are with lovely. A, with this, with a little cork in the top, and it's got a gorgeous label. Um, it's a lovely colour. It changes colour. Yeah. But. Tasting it, it doesn't taste. No, it doesn't uh, taste brutal. It doesn't taste. Yeah, it doesn't taste like it's it's a gimmicky gin. It tastes like it's a high quality it's gin. It's been made with love, and it's been made. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Been made with love. Mm, love isn't an actual thing. All right, that was a terrible. It's been made thing with a copper say. still. No, what I mean is, it's been made by people who who really care, care about gin. About, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be drunk by someone that cares about gin as well. So yes, that's fair. Is. I'll you give it a so swirl. Happy. I can't wait. Your little face right now. Can't wait to down this. I mean, drink it responsibly. <laughs> Oh, I'll get some air on my tongue. Is that a thing? Yes, yes, you dry your tongue off. No, I don't know that. I do. Right, here we go. Oh, that tonic, bit of, bit of citrus in there that has definitely taken over a little bit. Has it? Yeah. So Tell you what, I'll put a little bit more of the gin in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just just one. Okay, so what we're recommending then is that... It's taken perhaps with, with a dash of tonic rather than... Um... Yeah, don't don't go overboard with the tonic. Right. I've just bunged a bit more gin in, just for, you know, balance. Oh, lack of leather. <laughs> Drunk, did you get it? Yeah. 
pulled myself a little bit here. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. With that tonic water. Mm. That is absolutely... Oh, that is first class. It's very... Yeah. Su- it's much more subtle than I thought it was going it's to be. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. There's nothing chemically about it. I mean, you can just tell when gin's bad. I was at a, a club in Aberystwyth because uh, army craze on fire. Because the gin was, I think it was a pound a double. This was years ago, obviously. And that's, it might as well have been pain strip. And this is smooth. It goes mm. down. There's not a, it, it, it's not, it doesn't even touch the sides when it goes down. It's beautiful. And it, it doesn't leave any, there's not a point. There's just this little, delightful little floral aftertaste. Like you've breathed in. This, this is going to sound like one of those, oh, you know, something like old tights in a meadow. But it is though. It's but like it's, you're breathing in a, in a garden. You're in yeah, a yeah garden. it's like you're in a garden. Like, it's like you're at a picnic or something. You've just had a deep breath and like, all the pollen's going. Like, I mean, if you've got hair fever, this is probably one of the <laughs> Unless, and if you're a bee that likes gin, I mean, I can't recommend this one enough. <laughs> so, you know, give a buzz. Oh! Oh, no, we do. Uh, anyway. Oh, are we going to do... Because this is the first of our... Uh, gin of the week. week. Uh, are we going to do a... Else, uh... Are we going to rate it out of ten? Out of ten. No, I don't think we should. That's ridiculous. I so... think that would cheapen things. It would ch- Don't cheapen this. <laughs> the Genesis winked at us. <laughs> but I think what we will say is, do give this a try. Yeah, absolutely. I, this is a recommend. This, this is a, is a high highly recommend. recommend. Highly recommend. Quite yeah, because I I can't stand the taste of echinacea. You can't stand the taste of sort of floral no, and licorice as well. Yeah, and the thing about this is that that you know it it, it perhaps comes through very very slightly. Yeah. But, but it, it, no. it it's all the flavors together rather than individual flavors. Yeah. yeah. It smells. There's a bit of pepper in there, maybe, I think. A bit of rosemary as well. I'm definitely getting rosemary. Oh, so good. But there's a gin that I tried for the first time last night called Gin Mare. I think it's Gin Mare or Gin Marie. That is heavily flavoured with rosemary. Mm. And Which you think, like, again, like, if, like, if you just go in and... Uh, I don't know, like, you think herbs would be a weird way to flavour something. Well, especially something, given but... that rosemary is quite a savoury herb. Yeah, of course. Eh? Like, uh, you, you th- rosemary, I think, oh, I'll pop it on a, Bit of... pop it on a roast, you know? But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Not, let's hoi it in alcohol and have a, have a slurp. No, exactly. And then when I smelt it, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be way too overpowering. And it was absolutely oh, beautiful. stuff. Beautiful. We'll probably feature that on a future show. But... <laughs> we'll feature that on a future show. Oh, you do the taste on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll volunteer for that one. But... I am definitely getting, and uh, I don't know if there's actually rosemary in this, but I'm definitely getting that kind of flavour. So if you like that sort of... Um, heavily botanical, heavily plant Sort of rosemary yeah. sort of uh, type flavour, then, then you'll love this. It almost tastes like it's bloody good for you. Doesn't it? Yes. Doesn't it? Um, so cheers, Matthew. Cheers to Jane uh, on the Week. And that is Old Curiosity, Lavender and Echinacea. Secret. And that was the end of episode two. The second adventure. All kinds of adventures in that one. Uh, More to come, obviously. Uh, Like I say, get in touch with us on all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Carrier Pigeon. Tell us your thoughts, tell us your feedback and tell us anything that you want us to cover. Mm-hmm. Anything at all. Uh, give us cocktail recipes. Uh, if, you, if you've if you got facts about gin, we could look into. 
give it a go. I mean, obviously, I've come up with loads of facts about gin. Everything. We know everything about gin, but you, you try and test us. You test us. And that is the end of episode two. And if you're a vodka fan or a um, vodka, vodka supplier, come at us. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like an idiot string. <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. Mother's Room Podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Kotsier.